7 starting a new series uh, this month and I'm really excited about uh, the the direction of our teaching preaching ministry and what what we're trying to do is make sure that you have uh, a, a, a stair step so that you can go from one place to the next place with our sermons so that's one of the reasons why we do so much in sermon series and um, with Christmas coming up the birth of our Savior into the world we want to discuss what God was trying to do what God was intending on doing we want to speak about it from a micro macro perspective rather and then peer it down to a micro perspective and birds eye view down to the street level eye view about uh, some of the the, the the major moves that God did and Jesus coming into the earth is a major move it's a major move by heaven it was a power move by heaven amen so uh, we want to talk about that we're going to spend some time and we're going to talk about the present of presence somebody shout presence somebody shout presence there aren't many things more beautiful than just the presence of God in a sanctuary or in a room or in your house or in your car it's just the it is the present of presence the greatest gift that God gave us presence and the church said I want you to notice uh, that it didn't happen on accident you know um, uh, it was a very intentional move that God intended for there to be an anticipation period and uh, he and we, we're going to discuss and talk about the anticipation today so let's start reading at chapter 10 in Isaiah chapter 7. If you, if you get verse 10, brother, of Isaiah chapter 7, if you got it, shout, I got it. If you need a second, say, hold on a second. All right. Uh, so moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. And then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to ask God for anything. It's one thing for you all to wear me out, but we're not going to wear God out. Okay, this is what the king is saying. So it's one thing for y'all to get on my nerves, but we're not going to get on God's nerves with this. With this. Verse 14, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is the prophet now. He says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Somebody shout Emmanuel. Curds and honey he will eat and he shall and he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good for before the child notice that is a capital C in your Bible he says that the child before the child shall know to refuse good and evil and choose the good the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings stay with me on that scripture let's read that again for before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good somebody shall choose the good and refuse the evil the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings and the Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house. Days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed 
from Judea. I want you to find three people real quick, and the word of the Lord is blessed. Find three people and just simply tell them Emmanuel. 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 When you get to that third person, say this to them. God is with us. Amen. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I bless you and I bless you and I bless you. And I honor you and we honor you and we honor you. And we ask for your grace and for your presence to present the gospel in a way that would be pleasing to you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would minister to us now by your grace that our lives may be transformed and never the same. Father, I pray that you would send anointings that make teaching and preaching the gospel easy and, and a greater anointing that makes receiving the gospel even easier. God, we thank you for the season that we're in. Help us to remember that you are Emmanuel, the God that is with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated in God's presence. Smile at somebody say, it's just church. It's all right. Just church. It's all right. Uh, uh, this is a series where we're going to journey from, uh, from God's idea of a Savior all the way to the birthing of a Savior. This is, and these are significant uh, 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 activities, rather, in the life of the body of Christ. As the Bible tries to present God... The Bible presents God as being strategic in everything he does. God is strategic. Will you say that with me? Say God is strategic. That, that's important to understand. That means that God is not haphazard. God is not doing something on accident. God is not caught off guard. Nothing for in this world is happening that God is in heaven saying, oh, my God, y'all caught me tripping. God is not doing that. God is, God is strategic in everything that he does and everything that he has allowed to happen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everything he does or has allowed to happen. God does allow some stuff that you're not going to be pleased with to happen in your life. It's not the devil. It's not you. It's just God. And that is a part. That is uh, a reality of every believer. That is that is critical. That sometimes God is working on your life to the degree that when life itself is not moving fast enough, He will be the one behind turning up the heat in your journey to get you closer to Him. So God is strategic. He is a strategic God. He is a God that that operates in every facet of the journey he is orchestrating he is the puppet master he is the one that has what the scripture says an expected end for your life somebody shout expected that means that God has an end that he is expecting to take place that you won't get to the end and you and God are not going to be surprised by how your life ends you and God are not going to get to the end and say wow I can't believe I, I did all this or huh I'm disappointed you didn't doesn't work like that with God he said that I am behind you and I've got an expected end for your life with knowing that God has an expected end for our lives it becomes incumbent upon us that we work in agreement with God to get to that end that is the power of agreement the power of us saying God show me where you're taking me or show me what you want me to know in every season of my life so that I can comply with how you're getting me to where you see me in my journey. This is crucial to God. This is, this is important to God. God needs, or to say God needs, you know, I hate to use that term, but I think you understand it as a euphemism. God needs you to be compliant with him in your journey. 
God needs you to be compliant with him. Why does God want you to or desire for us to be compliant? Because as we learned last Sunday, last week, that God has given mankind authority over the earth and the world that we live in. If God is going to perform it, you and I are going to have to release it. God deals with us internally that we might release him externally. God's not just going to knock down the chairs and, and, and bust through the ceiling anymore. If God wants to get his point across, if God wants to be used in the earth, if God's things are going to be done in the earth, he's going to come through a vessel and he's going to agitate the heart of the vessel and the vessel will begin to move by the power and by the grace of God. You are not just making up your mind to do God things. God is using you to do his things. And in this, you become a vessel for God's prerogatives in the, in the earth. He will not violate that. God will not mess over that. God is, a, but this is the way God operates. God will not make you do anything. He just keeps knocking on the door till you answer. Do you understand how God works? You ever had somebody just knock on the door and you just tried to, you know, I grew up in, a, I grew up in an area where, um, you know, a particular religion used to go from door to door knocking on everybody's house. And when my parents didn't feel like being messed with, they just tell everybody, stop moving and get down. So we stop moving and hide behind the couch and try to be as quiet as we can. But you know, our house was as big as this stage, so the man outside could hear everything going on in it, and they just stand there and keep on knocking. And the and the insistence and persistence of the knocking made us just say, All right, let's go answer the door and tell the man we don't want to be bothered. So this is the way God operates in your life. God doesn't kick the door down of your journey. When he wants to use you, he just doesn't stop knocking. He just doesn't stop knocking. He just stay. He just went and you pack up and move to another city. He keep on knocking. You can pack up and move to another situation. God just keeps on knocking. You can get up and go to another church. God keeps on knocking. When God wants to use you, he just keeps on knocking until you answer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The, and we call that agitation or we call that conviction. I think it was uh, uh, one of the prophets. He said, he said, you know, I had decided that I was not going to honor the will of God. He said, I'd made up my mind that doing what God told me to do was too much of an inconvenience for the way I was intending on living my life. He said, so I rejected what God said and I went back to my hometown. He said, when I got there, I went to sleep. And while I was sleeping, he said, the next sensation I felt was like fire shut up in my bones. He said, and all of a sudden I realized that maybe I need to do what the Lord has for me to do. Because when God calls you, he gets what he wants from us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And agreement becomes powerful to God. Agreement becomes important to God. If God's will is going to, be, going to happen in the earth, he needs us to agree. So he's always in a space where he is trying and pushing and, 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 uh, and doing his absolute best to get us to come into emotional and spiritual compliance with what he's trying to do in the earth. The challenge with God is that everything that God tells us to do, we don't always understand why we should do it. So, so what makes us unique is that we get an opportunity to discuss back with God, whether verbally, whether spiritually, whether intellectually, or whether we literally just talk to God out of a verbal voice. We literally get to take our emotions, our feelings, and our will to God. And because we're in control of our lives, we get to tell ourselves 
that we are going to agree with God's will or we are going to disagree with God's will. This is the challenge of obedience. The challenge of obedience is something that is germane and unique only to the human being. Everything that God has created responds to God the way God challenged it to respond. The plant waits for the sun so that it can rise. And as long as the sun and the rain hits the plant, the plant will grow. Has no choice. God did it that way. The plant says, I'll be obedient. Every morning, the sun is going to show up at, at uh, show up over a region of the earth to provide it with sunlight and the ability for the earth to grow. The sun has no choice. The sun never said to God, I don't feel like it right now. The sun honors God. The lion doesn't know how to hiss. The lion doesn't know how to bark. The lion doesn't know how to cow. The lion roars because God told it that your voice will be that of a roar. And the lion does what God told it to do. The thing that is different between the sun and the inanimate objects or the other living beings like a dog or or uh, a lion or other animal creatures is that they do not possess a will. They do not possess the faculty that God has given the human being that allows the human being to have a collection of experiences that could frame its thought process so that it can now formulate decisions about itself. Not just does it formulate decisions about itself, the human has the ability to act on what he has formulated about himself. And this is interesting because many times what we have formulated about ourselves is not necessarily what God has said about us. And now when what I have formulated through my experience is, is, not, is at odds rather with what God has spoken by his word, I am in the position where I can make decisions about agreeing with God or agreeing with my will. The challenge of the average person is not between God and the devil in their life. The average challenge between most people is between God and themselves. Your biggest battle is not with Satan, it's with self. I'm going to help you in here today. You are oftentimes your biggest enemy. You sabotage yourself more than Satan sabotages you. You trip your, you up. Satan doesn't have as much power as you think he has, as we have been taught that he has. Doesn't mean all. He just doesn't have as much power as you and I have been taught that he has. But the person that has more power than we, than we give credit for is sitting in your chair. You have more power than you ever had dreamt or imagined because Satan no longer has the authority to disobey God. God called him an enemy and Satan has no choice but to stay an enemy of God. If Satan wanted to become friends with God, God has already rejected Satan's decree over his whole existence and he told them that you're going to forever be at enmity between the seed and between me. He, he helped him understand. He helped Satan understand this. Satan was so taken back by the fact that mankind had an ability to be born again, to be saved, to be redeemed, watch this, from essentially doing the exact same thing that Satan did, exercise his will, he essentially asked God, he says, who is this creature that you are so mindful of them 
that you have made him a little bit lower than yourself. Watch this. And the fact that you would redeem him because I am made a little bit lower than you as well, but when I sin, you have decreed me forever to be your enemy. I want you to see how special you are because, because here's the thing about us when we start. We don't think there's much special about us. And when you don't think that there's something special about you, you don't act like you're special. I'm going to help you understand something because you have made yourself be just a person that is a citizen of this universe but God has said that you are a citizen of heaven that is having a universal experience I'm going to help you in here. He said, you say that all I am is just a guy that's trying to do the best I can. But God said that you are a prince of the most high. You are holy and you are anointed. You are set aside and you are a ruler of all the earth. We say, well, I'm just this humble guy that all I do is just do the best I can when I can. God said, but the signs of them that believe is that they will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That they will tread on serpents and not be hurt he said that there are miraculous things that are happening in your life but you're denying how miraculous you can be because you want to fit in with the normal crew I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen so we are a bunch of supernatural beings that live very normal lives because we have chosen to receive the report of our will instead of the report of our God and when I have my will through my instances and my journey, I start to develop an appetite for what I will allow in my life. I develop an appetite for it. I'll develop an appetite for being angry all the time. I'll develop an appetite for the, 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 the uh, gambling pen. I'll, de I'll develop an appetite for lying. I'll develop an appetite for drinking over too much. I'll develop an appetite for being a whoremonger. I'll develop an appetite for being a person that is apathetic. I'll develop an appetite for being a quitter I'll develop an appetite do you understand that the more you will allow it to happen in your life the more you start to be okay with the taste watch this of things that you used to did not like but the more you allow it the more you will develop a palate for what you used to not are y'all still with me for what you used to not want and not enjoy if you take too much of it you'll be okay with it and now the problem is I have an appetite that God tells me that I can't eat from Mm -hmm. And if I have an appetite from what God tells me I cannot eat from, my will is now in a funny position between the appetite that I built up and the desire of God for my life. So when God now has to respond to the journey of an appetite you built for yourself, he has to create a way for him to still be loving and a savior and a person that can redeem you from your fault and your sin while at the same time you're trying to deal with the appetite you created for yourself. And now I know everybody in here is so sanctified and you're sanctimonious and you're on your way to heaven and you ain't developed no appetites. But, but to a handful of us that can keep it real, the reality of it is there are some things we like Y'all not talking back to me. There's some stuff that you've gotten okay with that, that you know you shouldn't be okay with and it's hard to shake what I have accepted because this is the way the enemy operates in your life. I want you to see something about his power. He really doesn't have power, but what he does have is influence. What Satan does is he doesn't pray on your strength. He prays on the appetite you built up. 
and he just brings what you have an appetite for. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This is why the Bible says that we should hunger and thirst after righteousness. We should build up an appetite for right stuff. But if you build up an appetite for things that's going to mess up your family, that's going to ruin your thought life, that's going to hurt you from having good relationships, that's going to keep you from being closer to God and closer to good people. Some of us are so broken that we've developed an appetite that makes us like people that hurt us and make us hate people that bless us. Y'all are not talking back to me in here. Well, I, I, there are some of us, we, are, we have developed such an appetite for negativity that we think positive people are corny. I'm, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. We have developed an appetite that if you give me a compliment, I'm looking at you sideways. Like you want something more than just say that your shoes are nice. I didn't want nothing. I didn't ask you to go to bed. I was just saying your shoes were nice. That does, but we have developed these appetites in our world that as soon as somebody tells you no, it's because it's the man. It's because I'm black. It's because I, I appetites to be the victim. We have developed an appetite and the man said no because you ain't got no degree and the job requires you to have a degree not because you're black y'all ain't talking back to me in here we develop these appetites where God starts to call on the only thing that he will respond to in your life which is his word God does not respond to the appetites we built up he responds to his word in your life and if your appetites are antithetical of God's words you've got some choices and decisions to make in your journey who shall I serve? Will it be God or will it be my own will? The will that I, so James says this. He says temptation is this. He says when we are drawn away, watch what the Bible says, very clearly. I want you to think this is the devil stuff. He said, he said temptation is when you are drawn away by your own lusts, by the appetites you built up, by the things you said yes to that now got you messed up in your heart and in your head. Can you imagine if you would have said no? I know, I, I know people, I know people, good people, fantastic people that, 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 that are, are perpetually getting off of drugs. They're always on the journey one day at a time. And there's nothing wrong with one day at a time. But when they rewind the tape back, they made a decision in 15 minutes that has caused them their lifetime to get undone from. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, 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 and can you imagine... The power of what you let in, that if I cannot let it in, that I will never have to fight the appetite. I'm, I'm preaching. I am preaching. I'm preaching. I am preaching. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. If I can find out, if the enemy cannot seduce me into making me think that my life is so lonely that I need this, that my life is so bad that I need to take that, that my life is so messed up that I need to be with this, that my life is so gone, far gone that I need to say yes to him or her, that my life is so, if you can lose the fact that the enemy will lie to you and make you and deal with the appetite for your negative and your broken and your dark circle and your depressive behaviors that he is just using that to get you to make a bad decision so you can perpetually be fighting for victory that's the way he works tell your neighbor say that's the way he works that's the way he works and 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 we are complicit in our own downfall we are complicit in our own downfall because we are the gatekeepers for everything that goes in and out of our head, our spirit, and our bodies. Amen. 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 
You are the gatekeeper. So don't be going to God talking about why you let cancer hit me. All you got to do is just look at your eating patterns. Okay, all right. So, uh, so with, with, that being, with that being the case, with that being the case, it's, it's critical that we understand it. With that being the case, now what God has noticed in the earth is he has noticed that people are making very poor decisions. He has looked at this earth from a macro perspective. He has looked at the earth now, and he realized that mankind made a very poor decision when he chose to sin. And not only did he make a poor decision to sin, he can't get himself out of the situation he has himself into. He's trying to. He's trying to get himself out of it. That's why he got so many churches. Uh-huh. He's trying to get himself out of it. He's trying. That's why he has so many religions, because he's trying to get himself out of it. He's doing his best. That's why there are so many mantras and rules to, to pass in order for you to be close to God. He's trying to get himself out of it. So if you kneel, then you should, be, you should be close to God. Or if you go sit in confessional, you'll be close to God. Or maybe if you lift your hands, you'll be close to God. Or maybe if you give him a holy dance, you'll get close to God. Or maybe if you scream at the top of your lungs, you'll give him a holy dance. Uh, you'll get close to God. And we come up with all these different rules that try to show that you're close to God. We just keep moving the yardstick further and further behind because religion never equated to relationship with God. And the church said, I know you're here and you should be in the body of Christ so that you can grow and that you can learn. But you are no closer to God because you jumped up and down at church than you were when you walked in this room. You were no closer to God because you danced on rhythm. You were no closer to God because somebody hit the organ or hit the band or because the preacher tuned up and gave it to you how you like to get it. You are not closer to God because you have learned how to do religion. And God looked at the world and he said, these people are trying to get close to me, but they can't get close to me because the way, because the criteria for close, we're on a different page. I need their lies. They're trying to give me their action. I'm going to help you with this. Uh, you know, here's where you got to be careful. The Bible says that your mouth, your mouth says these things, bless me, but your heart is far from me. And you got to be careful with people that give you a lot of gifts. You got to be careful with people that give you a lot of gifts. Because oftentimes they're masking the fact that they're not intimately connecting with you. So they're going to try to bridge the, the, bridge the gap with the gift that they give. They don't want to talk and be real and be honest and be transparent and be vulnerable and be all the things that build real intimacy. So they just buy you something. And they, and, and they, they hope that that holds you off because you can be a person that gives gift and not give yourself. And with religion, we were giving God his gift. But God said they, he don't, they don't understand that I don't want their gift. I want their lives. And it's going to take their lives, not their gift, in order for us to be close. So he's watching religion take place. He's watching religion take place. He's watching people try to get close to him. So God comes up with this bright idea that instead of them getting to me, I'm going to come to them. This is the only way that you got saved and you got born again. I know we say this all the time. The day I gave my life to the Lord, the day I decided to stop running and say yes to Jesus, the day, the day that you never stopped running from Jesus. Can we tell the truth? You running from him today. You just, are you hearing what I'm saying? You didn't run to Jesus. Jesus ran to you. 
if we are going to automatically show what the scripture is trying to teach us is that Jesus is in hot pursuit of you. We are in perpetual rejection and walk away from it. God, no. And the, at best, we only surrender to God in seasons of our lives. And generally, when we surrender, it's because we have no choice but to surrender to God. Am I talking to anybody in here this morning? So God is in this space with us where he is perpetually chasing. And God, you, you did not give your life to God. God gave his life for you and then came and got you and made you take advantage of the life that he's trying to offer you. Do you hear what I just told you? He said, before man sinned or did not sin, he said that I died for you. You were dead in your trespasses and I died for you. He said, I came when you could not connect to me and you was trying to find ways to get reestablished in this world. You were chasing everything and everybody. I sat back and I looked at you and I said, she ain't going to get to me unless I get to her. She is walking around this world reaching for everything that feels good and doing what feels good, but I don't want her gift. I want her life. I'm talking to somebody today. God says, I don't want your gift. I want your life. And this is crucial to understand why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus into the earth because, because we could not get to him. In the ancient days of the Old Testament, they, would, they had uh, the, the, the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, we all know it had three sections to it. We had the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place. And in the most holy place, they offered up the sacrifices before God. They killed a lamb, and they put it on the altar, and they burn it up to God, and they throw the blood in the, at the mercy seat. And they were trying to do religion to get close to God. And I know y'all dance, and we shout over the altar and the holy of holies and the inner holies, and I'm not trying to take away all of our church-isms and euphemisms, but what happened by the time we get to the book of Isaiah, God was exhausted with the fact that they were trying to reach him. He was exhausted with the fact that they were using the tabernacle kind of the same way we use church today. They were using the tabernacle saying, let me just get all of my animals that I'm going to kill and sacrifice for my sin, and I'm going to put them in the bin, then I'm going to go do what I want to do with my life, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take them to church, I mean take them to the tabernacle, and all is going to be good between me and God. This is, and God, start, God stopped honoring and he stopped showing up and he stopped being the consuming fire for the tabernacle. Are y'all still with me this morning? They stopped being the, the consuming fire for the tabernacle. So they were opening up the tent and setting up the tent and they were going through the rituals, but God was not consuming the sacrifice. They were setting up the tent and laying out the instruments, but God was not consuming the sacrifice to the degree that they started to believe believe in their head that God has just doing something different than what he was doing before so they kept doing it because they never discerned that God was no longer in their church services they never discerned that God was no longer in their religious worship experiences. They never discerned it. So they just kept the show going. Y'all, they kept the show going. And after they kept the show going, God was saying that they're trying to get to me, but they don't know how to get to me because they're doing the actions, but their heart is far from me. So I'm going to send myself down to them to show them how to get to me. 
He tells them in Isaiah chapter 7, he goes to King Ahaz and he talks to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah. He says, Isaiah, you go tell Ahaz this. Go tell Ahaz that I'm going to do something very unique and very special. And it's going to be a sign that I am going to be with my people and that I am going to come and eradicate the world that they're in. Stay with me now because we're leading up to Christmas. We're leading up to the birthing of him. But long before the birthing of Christ, 1300 years before the birthing of Christ, God has this conversation with Isaiah. Isaiah goes and he tells Ahaz, he says, hey, look, man, God said that he's going to get a virgin girl and she's going to have a child. She's going to have a child. I don't know. I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but I'm going to tell you what God going to do now here's the problem whenever God gives a promise it is the anticipation that God is going to answer the promise whenever God gives you a promise what makes it difficult to follow God is the season leading up to whenever God is going to going to answer his promise it's like a child before Christmas if you tell them December 5th or, or November 15th that Christmas is around the corner they will be excited about Christmas is it time yet no baby we still in November if it okay it's cool all right no problem three days later Christmas is coming soon no we only we only you know we got and then here's the problem with anticipation when you put anticipation out too far ahead and you give them the grand thing they will reject the small thing so Thanksgiving will be a disappointment when there's anticipation for Christmas so you'll get to Thanksgiving like, ah, this is just Thanksgiving. And this is what is happening in our lives. God has promised you stuff so big and so amazing that we have started to reject the little ways that God has been blessing us. Is that the Y'all are not talking back to me. He's promised you family and homes and all that kind of great stuff that you're excited about, but we don't praise him for air and we don't praise him for health and we don't praise him for keeping our kids away from strangers and crazy people. We don't bless him because the fire happened around our neighborhood but not in our neighborhood am I helping anybody in here they, they find themselves in a scenario now where God is telling them that now they can never get to me I must get to them and this is how you're going to know that I'm with you is that there's going to be a woman and she's going to be with child but no man will have touched her. That's what the Bible says. He says no man will have touched her. Not only would no man have touched her, after she has this child, this is critical that we get this, he's going to eat curds and butter and milk just like everybody else. Some people, Bible said milk and butter. Other Bible says curds and milk. Uh, they're basically... It's basically a concoction that they made out of butter uh, and then milk would be drank. This is a, 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 an inference to the infancy of Jesus. It's something that, that in the ancient early Semitic days, they would have fed their infant children. So uh, it, it, it was something that you would give to a one-year-old or a two-year-old, milk in the, ba in, the, in the arm phase. But as they got older, you didn't give them major food. You, they would make this little curdle kind of thing, and they would give it to the children, and they would chew it, and they would eat it, and they would drink the milk, and the children would get their nourishment this way. What was God trying to help them understand? He was trying to help them understand that here's the first thing about this this. This, this thing I'm going to send into the earth is that he's not going to be like everybody else because he's not going to come through man's seed. He's going to come from a woman that has not been touched by a man. He's going to make you scratch your head and ask how in the world did you get here? 
And when he tells you that I really don't have an earthly father, I only have a heavenly father, and my relationship with my earthly father is not for, uh, for heritage. It is to show the world how to submit and he says that this is my purpose for my relationship with my earthly father. You're going to see that there is a miraculous thing that is on this man. However, the unique miraculous thing on this man is that he's going to be not just miraculous, but very normal in this sense. He's going to have to eat just like every other child eats. And he's going to do this. Watch what he says. He says, before he knows the difference between good and evil. Now, according to the Jewish connection, uh, 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 community at that time, they, the, the thought was that a child would start to develop a sense of right and wrong about the age of two or three years old. It's about two or three years old. You're infant, you learn a few things, but you start coddling and knowing that I'm not supposed to do this around two or three years old. And God is saying that not only is this child going to be miraculously brought into the world, He's also going to go through the normal transition of cognitively learning how to do right and how to do wrong. So I don't want you to think that Jesus could not do wrong. The Bible says that he was tempted. Somebody shout tempted. In order for you to be tempted, what did I tell you? You have to have some appetites. Jesus, help me. The Bible said that he was tempted. So God wanted Jesus to develop some appetites. Watch this, that he would have to reject and make his will be God's will to show us that it is within us to reject what is not of God. He says that as he starts determining right and wrong, he said, I got to him by then. Now, there is another number that's important in Jewish community, and that's the age 12. At the age 12 is where we get bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah. That is the age of accountability. There's an age of understanding around two or three of right and wrong. Bar mitzvah is the age of accountability where now you are held accountable for the right and wrong you do. It was the thought that a parent would cover their child until their bar mitzvah and after the bar mitzvah, the sins of the child belong to the child. So they no longer called them a child, they called them a man or they called them a woman. It is the, the rite of passage into adulthood. That's why when Jesus was 12 years old, he left his mother and father and stayed in the tabernacle. And when they were looking for him, they came to Jesus and they was like, where in the world have you been? Jesus said, I was in the synagogues taking care of my father's business. That's what the Bible says. He says, because I must be about my father's business. In other words, I'm not a child anymore. I'm ready to step into my purpose. I'm ready to be accountable for my life. I'm ready to be accountable for my deal with God. This is why this is critical, is that God says that this boy is going to be miraculous, but he's also going to be very normal. And this is how we understand the power of God, because God will never reveal himself to you in a way that you cannot understand or that he cannot be usable to you in your journey. Some of us feel that God is so high above that he don't have time to come down and see about my marriage. God is so high above that he don't have time to come down and see about 
all my aching heart. It's too big for me to take my prayer, take my little problem to God. It's just my engine, my car not working. Why would I take that to prayer? Why would I need to fast over my car not working? You don't understand God. God says that I became flesh so that I will know the stuff that you deal with every day so that I can open up an opportunity for you to get to me even in the menial task of your life. If God is so big to you, you can't pray to him, you don't understand God. God wants to bring his bigness into your situation. No matter how small you think it is, God wants to bring the enormity of his power into the minutia of your situation so that he can show you that there is not a place in this world, not a situation in your life that I am not willing to put my hand in. I wish I was preaching to somebody that was grateful to God because God is not going to leave you in a place in your life that he's not willing to show up and be God when he gets there. God is better than church people because if you called me tonight and said my son is trapped up in the whorehouse and he's trapped up in the strip club, will you go down to him and get him? I'm going to have to think about that because, you know, I got a reputation to keep. And what they going to think if the pastor show up down to the joint and, and he walking in talking about I'm coming to find somebody. You know how I mean, I'm coming to pull somebody out of here. I'm try, I mean, you know how, how, how bad that will mess up my testimony and, and ruin my witness and I got a rep to keep so I, I, I want your child saved but I don't know if I want them saved to the degree of my reputation now I don't want I got a church I got to run I, and I can't run a church if ain't nobody in the church and, and one quick way of them not being in the church is for me to show up on MTO News or me to show up on World Star Hip Hop and y'all see me coming out Ah, wait a minute, with a boy. Y'all be Y'all wouldn't even be. See, y'all don't understand how this thing works. You'll walk at y'all. Y'all be like, Pastor ain't saying no more. We get him to the altar. Y'all be dumping Crisco oil on me. Now understand. But God is the kind of God that is not embarrassed to come and get you out of the most precarious scenarios and situations. I wish I was talking to somebody in here. Where God came and got you out of somebody's bed you weren't supposed to be in. Somebody's dream you weren't supposed to be in. I wish I had some help in here. That is the kind of God that you serve. He is not ashamed to do what he's got to do to deliver you. So now the challenge becomes, the challenge becomes now God tries to tell them. He says, I'm going to come. He says, and I'm going to meet you in a precarious scenario. He says, because I don't want you to just think that because the, the, the boy didn't have a natural father, that he's only God. And I don't want you to think that because he eats like the rest of the children. And what he's trying to get us to understand is that he, he processed life just like a normal person. He had to learn. The Bible says that God, that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. He learned obedience. In other words, he had to learn obedience. It's like, Mary, how you get to hit God? How you get to hit God? You don't get to pop God on the hand. You don't get to send God to his room for time out. Yeah, but Jesus had to follow the journey so that he could be taught. And if you are being taught by a frail 
faulty man, person, human being, you are going to pick up some faulty appetites for your journey. So what Jesus had to do is Jesus had to wrestle with the will of himself. But if this cup can be taken away from me, take it away from me. But he was able to take it to God that was inside of him and say, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Don't you ever for a second think it wasn't real with God. It was real with Jesus. He said, if you can come up with another way, I can bypass this cross, but not my will, your will be done. If you can come up with another way, I won't go through this divorce, but not my will, your will be done. If it can happen another way, I wouldn't go bankrupt, but not my will, your will be done. If you can do it another way, my son would have lived, but not my will, your will be done. Jesus had to wrestle with the appetites for living that everybody else wrestle with and the appetite for living is oftentimes the very thing that makes us make the worst mistakes of our lives our ability and desire to live makes us make decisions that we think are going to help us live so if I can have one more drink or one more shot or one more person or one more this or one more that I can be alive to make it the other day another day but the problem with self is that we are alive and the moment you live you are technically dying to yourself so the only thing that lives and continues to live is God so if you're going to live you're going to have to figure out a way to find God but you can't find him <laughs> you can't google him you can't you can't find him on Instagram you can't there's no way for you to conjure up and Jesus show up it doesn't work like that that's why revelation is important because revelation is a thing revealing itself to you so God loved you so much that he had to reveal himself to you he did not just allow you to go on looking for him without context he did not allow you to go looking for him finding him in relics and in religious services what happens now the Bible says that by the Holy Spirit he shows up in your journey and makes you come to life to him and when you come to life to him you have an awareness that there is a God that is for me and a God that is with me this is what he's telling the man in in Isaiah 7 he's saying that he will be miraculous and he will be like you and watch this you're going to call him Emmanuel somebody shout Emmanuel you're going to call him Emmanuel now his name was not Emmanuel that was not a nickname Emmanuel is not a nickname it's not a pet name it's not a name that Jesus was ever called and I know some of us I just messed up 20 years of Sunday school for you that nobody ever looked at Jesus run and said look Emmanuel come here come here they didn't ever do that Emmanuel was just simply a name that would represent the character that would be associated with Christ the Bible calls us priests Oh, those priests and kings, but we don't walk around here with, with crowns on our heads calling each other priests. The Bible, he's saying that a priest is a function that you'll operate in. A king is a position that you sit in. That is a reality to God, but it is not your name. It's not what you call each other. Emmanuel was not Jesus' name. He was saying that Emmanuel, when you see me, you will say God is with us. When you recognize that he's present, you will say God is with us. You will say and utter the term Emmanuel. 
Emmanuel when you see. Now, how do I see him? Because you told me in offering that I am more blessed than I give myself credit for. You said in the offering time that I miss blessings and I miss opportunities to praise him because God is always blessing me. I just miss how he prays, how, how he blesses. But he told you in Isaiah how he reveals himself and when he reveals himself and the fact that he reveals himself. He said before Emmanuel, before I show up with this virgin woman and before this creature is born from this virgin woman, before he knows good and evil and moves to his bar mitzvah, the thing that I'm going to do is I've got to create an atmosphere for him to be here. You can't have Christmas until the baby boy Jesus gets here. There can be no celebration without this anticipation. So he said, so how can I, will you anticipate that a savior is coming? He said that I'm going to take the next two kings and I'm going to have them ravage your land. I'm going to have them pillage your women. I'm going to have them take your choices. I'm going to have them destroy what you thought was iconoclysmic. I am going to send the next two kings. I'm going to raise up Assyria and they are going to destroy everything you did. That does not sound like something a God that loves me should do. Do. That sounds like the devil, not like God. What in the world do you mean that you're going to have your hand at the destruction of my world? What does it mean that you're going to have your hand at the destruction of my community? You're going to have the hand at the destruction of my life. Let me tell you how God operates. We build things that cannot sustain what God is really trying to do in our lives. So sometimes before God does the thing he wants to do, he has to tear down what you built. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Now, that might not feel comfortable, and that might not feel happy, and you can blame the devil if you want to, but the Bible say that Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness, and if you read the scripture, he say the Holy Spirit sent him in there to be tempted. It wasn't the devil. He placed the devil in there to do his tempting, but the Holy Spirit told Jesus, it's time for you to go and suffer. It's time for you to go and struggle a little bit. It's time for you to go and be hurt. It's time for you to go and have to work your will because y'all so sanctified. Whatever God say, I just do it. God say, all right, I'm about to send you through a season of your life where I'm going to have all the trinkets that you want show up and we're going to see whose will and whose report you want to believe. I want you to see this. He takes them historically through the worst economic period of their life. He takes them through the worst economic uh, 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 the worst um, occupational season of their journey. He takes them through a period of what they call, the historians call, 400 silent years. It's the years between Malachi and Matthew. It is the years where God zipped up his lip. He did not give a prophet a word to share to humanity. In the process of the destruction of the land of Jerusalem and Israel, the Romans began to become the nation of of choice that from from the Italy's and and from from Italy rather they start to rise up their nations began to uh, create uh, a, a wealth system created a governance system part of their governance system was colonization they would colonize the different regions of the world one of the places they colonized was the northern tip of Africa where all of the Bible experience was taking place are y'all still with me are y'all listening it's the, the the northern part of Africa that included the lands today that we call Syria and Iraq and Iran and Israel and Jordan and 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 places along that 
bloodline. These are the places where the Bible took place. The Romans rose up. Read your history books. The Caesars became the kings and they would set Herods like little mayors and governors over these cities to make sure what was happening in Israel was take what was happening in, in their lands that they occupied. They were under the rule and the thumb of the king who was back in Italy. It was important that you and I understand or Rome. It was important that you and I understand. They paid taxes to the Romans. They had Roman soldiers around them everywhere they came around. The Roman soldiers were just kind to Israel and said, you guys can practice your religion of Judaism, but you still have to follow Roman law. You have to pay taxes to us. You have to follow our bills. When our king comes, you have to bow to him. You have to respect our religions. All of this is happening, and the identity of Jewish identity is being erased in the world not necessarily the customs of Judaism but the connection with the God that has given them a promise that he would send God himself into their world to redeem them from their brokenness they are getting disconnected from this and the world is all around them not being the environment that can produce what they wanted it to produce and in the process they began to cry out to God and ask God are you ever going to save us are you ever going to deliver us are you ever going to do what it is that you told us we should do now this is a funny thing about pain God put them through a season of pain he is describing there's a funny thing about pain we pray a whole lot more when we're in pain yeah you do we pray a whole lot more when we're not feeling good we have a ten we're talking tongues and in toes and in feet and in hands if we if God will answer my pain I'll believe him Jesus stands up at the top of Jerusalem looking down into the city he says that I'm going to go down and I'm about to do the most powerful miracles of my ministry people who had only heard about Jesus had never touched him never been connected to him began to shout Hosanna in the highest they didn't even know who Jesus was to the degree that they knew him in other townships and other cities there was no emailers and no photographs they could take nobody could video camera him healing and delivering people and sending it forward they just heard about Jesus they hadn't experienced him but they were in such drastic and dramatic times that they looked at a person they didn't even know and they said if you're the one will you save us will you help us Hosanna Hosanna in the highest and this is where they got to understand that when God promises you that he's God he is not just going to meet you in the seasons when you don't need him he is more God than you will ever experience experience in the seasons that you do need them in and God reminded my spirit to tell you in this room that he will never leave you and he has never forsaken you even though you felt like God walked away from you God was with us even though you felt like God had forgotten you he said tell them to tell them I've been with them even though they go to the ends of the earth I will be with them until the day that I come back again 
Emmanuel. You go through divorce, Emmanuel. You lose all your money, Emmanuel. You get hurt, Emmanuel. Your heart broken, Emmanuel. Addiction, Emmanuel. God said that wherever you go, I will be with you and I will never be more present with you than when you're at the lowest times of your life. I need somebody that can give God the praise because he was Emmanuel. I wish I had some help in here. I need you to grab your neighbor and tell your neighbor he didn't leave you. He didn't leave you. Tell your neighbor it felt like he left you, but he did not leave you. He was Emmanuel with you. It felt like he forgot you, but he was Emmanuel with you. Your God came from heaven into the earth just so he could prove to you that he will be with you every step of your journey. And for that, you ought to give him a shout of praise. That ain't good enough. You ought to raise your voice and tell him I thank you. You came with me. You were with me in my depression. You were with me in my sadness. You were with me in my hospital bed. You were with me when my dad died. You were with me when my children left. You were with me. You are with me, Emmanuel. And this is the way God functions. Stand to your feet all over this place. Stand to your feet, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Somebody shout Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God is with us. But I don't, because I don't always need you when my money is right. I don't need you when my wife is acting good and my children are behaving. I don't necessarily need to, to, to lean on heaven in the same way when they're giving me a raise at my job. So God says, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm going to let somebody come and ravage your land. <laughs> that, that's step number one for you to know God's getting ready to do something in your life. God, the Holy Spirit is looking for messes. He's looking for brokenness. He's looking for things that are not quite the way that they could be. He says, he says you don't need me so much when everybody will give you what I can only supply for you. He says, so right now everybody giving you everything. So how about this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to withhold the hand of the blesser. I'm going to keep person from always making sure you got everything you need. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the heart. <laughs> that is what he said. He sent the children of Israel out of Egypt and then the Bible said he turned the heart of the Pharaoh and told the Pharaoh, now go get him. He said, go get him and tell him to come back. One minute, he said, I'm going to turn the heart of the one that was your reason last season <laughs> because you've been giving him too much glory. And you've been giving her too much praise. So now, now I'm going to turn the heart and she's not going to text you back. I'm going to turn his heart and he's going to start getting tired of dealing with you. Yes, after all you gave him and all you did and all you did. I mean, you know, you just, you just kept doing it. You kept doing it and, and now you, you need something and you expect something. God said, I'm just going to turn his heart. He's going to realize that he doesn't. <laughs> he said, and you're going to be stuck asking, who's going to save me? He said, and it's in that moment. I'll show you that I'm, I'm the one that's with you. I'm the one that remembered. I'm the one that was there. Even though you were making bad decisions, I never forgot what I said about you. I never forgot what I was go, what I what I spoke into, into your life. I never forgot. He said, and you're you're ready for a turnaround in your life when you realize that God has always been with you. Can I tell you how crazy this is? 
It's almost like God manipulates the atmosphere. If you were a room full of athletes and I was your coach, I could, I could make a lot of money off of water if I knew that you would respond to me because all I would do is make you run. And while you're running, you'll be, you'll be thinking about water, but I've got what you need. And you run the first quarter, you'd be pretty good because you're in good shape. You don't really need water the first quarter. But I'll turn up the heat on you in the second quarter and make you run even, even harder. And you'll, you'll start to think, man, I do need some water. I'm going to have to get some water around here pretty soon. I'm going to have to get me something. To, by the time the third quarter comes and I bring out all the cases of the water that you want, <laughs> now you'll be motivated by the water. And by the time the fourth quarter comes, I'll have run you so exhausted and so tired, I can sell that water for whatever price I want to pay for it. If you got it, you'd pay for it. Not only would you pay for it, if you don't have it, you'd rob each other to get it. Y'all are not talking back to me. You try to smooth up next to me and be like, they don't even like you. You about to sell her some water. She don't even, she be talking crazy about you. You know how y'all do to God. I'm trying to do all I know how. And he's selling. He the liquor store man. How he blessed. How he blessed and I'm not blessed. I serve you all the time. How she get married and I'm not married. I serve, I give you my best. I didn't give you my best 14 years of my life. How he get the, hey, you know how we do God. We just got sleep hey, because there's a thirst and he's got the water. And he says that I, I'll create an atmosphere for you to want the water that I have. When I love you, when I want you, when I've got something that I want you to take, but you're too comfortable to take my water right now. He said, don't worry about it. He said, don't worry about it. I'll just make sure the atmosphere is, is so parched, or so, so arid rather, that you get parched. And you, what? And you will say yes to the God of your mama and the God of your father and the God of your generations. You will say yes to every kind of Jesus you can find. Baby Jesus, grown Jesus, resurrected Jesus. You'll say, because he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. He'll be filled. So he just makes us hunger and thirst a little bit so that he can fill us. Leading up to Christmas is God creating the atmosphere to be thirsty for what he's given. We're talking big micro level. That's what Christmas is about. God developing an environment that's thirsty for what he's given. Micro level. What has God been building in you? that makes you cry out Hosanna to him? What has God been doing in your life that makes you say, you know what, God? I owe you a praise because you was always with me. I thought you forgot me. I thought you walked away from me, but you were always there. When I was hurting, you were there. When I was frustrated, you were there. When I was cursing the day I was born, you were still there. And I did not give you praise. Lift your hands. Lift those hands. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who's in this room, who's in this building. I don't know. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know your, what you're going through. I don't know your personal story. I took the long route to tell you that God is with you. I took the long route to remind you, sister, that God is with you. 
I went over the hills and through the woods to tell you, brother, that God is with you. And I know some of you are going through, you feel like, hey, man, the Assyrians are attacking my life. They're attacking my marriage. They're attacking my heart. They're attacking my peace. They're attacking my money. They're attacking my goals and dreams. God wants me to know, let you know he is with you. Lift those hands. 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 Father, we bless you. We bless you because you never forgot about us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. You're with me. You're with me. You're with me. You never left me. You're with us. You never left us. I felt alone, but I wasn't alone. I don't know why I let the enemy make you think that you'd forgotten about me. They hurt me, but you were still with me. You're the one that kept my heart from bleeding out. You're the one that kept my body pumping. You're the one that kept ministered to me when I gave up. You're the one that helped me get over the, the thing that I could not forgive myself for. In the name of Jesus. I never thought, I never thought I could see another day past losing what I lost. But God, you were with me. 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 I never thought that I could ever have what I thought, what I, thought you, I had forfeited. But God, you are with me. You are with me. Lift those hands and honor God's presence with you. If you don't walk away with anything today, you'll be reminded that what you're going through right now is just God's opportunity to show you that he's with you. He's with you. Look for him in your hurt. Look for him through your tears. Look for him through your discomfort. He's sending an answer now in the name of Jesus. I prophesy over somebody's life that God is sending an answer right now in the name of Jesus Christ. He's sending an answer to you now by his power. He wants you to know that I'm Emmanuel. I am God with you. I haven't left you. I haven't forgotten you. And I want to walk with you through your journey. I want you to talk with me through your pain. I want you to let me love you through what you don't understand. I want you to give it to me and let me be God in your life. And everywhere I am, I deserve a praise. So when you're on cloud nine, give me a praise. But when you're under the basement, give me a praise. Don't run from me. I'm with you. Don't duck me. I'm with you. Acknowledge my presence. I'm omnipresent. I'm a very present help in the time of your trouble. He says, let me in. Lift those hands. Lift those hands. Say something to God. If you're broken, say something to God. If you're hurting, say something to God. If you're in a pickle right now, say something to God. Yes, say something to God. Yes, lift those hands, lift your voice, talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. Hey, he's with us. He's with us, he's with us. Come on, say something. God, thank you for being with me. I tried to give up on myself, but you were just with me. I didn't want to live, but you were with me. I was trying to be self-destructive, but you're with me. You must have a plan for my life. I tried to destroy it. You must have reason for me. So God, thank you for being with me. And I'm with your children. And I'm with your wife. And I'm with your son. 
proxy until they see the salvation of the Lord happen. He's with us. Help us say that. He, I dare you to testify to God. God, you're with us. Tell the devil, he's with us. Tell the adversary, he's with us. Tell your pain, he's with me. Father, we bless you. Father, we bless you. Maybe you're in this house, you're saying, Pastor, I need prayer, I need prayer. I'm going through it right now because if you don't pray for me, I'm going to go home and I'm going to let somebody know what I know. I want you to come down to the front now. If you, you're saying, Pastor, I, I've been in such a phase, a, a, such a dark place in my journey. Come on, altar worker, stand with me. I'm in such a dark place right now that if you, if you don't show up and be God with us, with me, it's going to be trouble at my, in my heart. It's going to be difficulty in my home. I want you to come out of your seat. Come down, come down, come down. If you're in the basement, come down. If you're in the, in the balcony, come down. I'm giving you this moment. If you're on the floor, come down. If you're on the stage, come down, come down. I'm giving you space. This is your space. This is your space. I don't have to know what it is. I don't have to know what you're dealing with. I don't have to know what's hurting. But what, I, but what has to happen is God today, 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 God, I'm acknowledging and recognizing if it had not been for you on my side, I don't know what I'd be doing. I don't know where I'd be. And God, and if you don't show up, I'm liable to be overtaken by this barren land I'm in. I'm liable to succumb to this barren place that I'm in. God, you are with me. You're with me. Come on, lift those hands. He's with us. He's with us. He's with us. He's with us. He's with us.